0: Welcome to Groove Therapy, the premier podcast exploring the intersection between live music and health and wellness with experts Dr. Leah Taylor and Tara Lee Weathers. In this podcast, you will learn how live music positively affects well-being through a combination of scientific research and personal experience from your hosts, favorite musicians, industry professionals, and fans like you also included our strategies to incorporate the benefits of live music into your everyday life. everybody. So I am so excited for you to dive in head first with our next guest because she is just like one of the coolest people that I feel has ever existed on this planet that we live on.
1: <laughs> I totally agree. I know. So our guest today is Karina Reichman. And when I reached out, well, I talked to her in person to ask her to be on the podcast. But when I reached out to her, I was like, We just think you're a total badass and we just want to talk to you (laughs) about your badassery. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) It's so true. I think that word very accurately describes Karina Reichman. There are other things that she does besides just being a total badass. And one of them that she is probably most known for is playing bass. And she has her own band, which is a power trio consisting of Adam November on guitar and Chris Corsico on drums They are touring the Northeast right now. So if you're listening to this in the beginning of December and you live in the Northeast, definitely check out Karina's tour. She is coming to a city near you. But she also plays for Marco Benevento and his band. And she talks a little bit about how that all came to be. I think she started playing for them in uh, 2016. They've opened up for all kinds of people, also played their own headlining shows. She's been on Jam Cruise. She's played on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She actually had to postpone this interview a couple of times because she kept getting asked back to be on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She originally played bass on their months ago which she also talks about in the interview but then this most recent time she was asked to come and play guitar. So that's pretty cool. She she does a little guitar playing as well as being known for her her bass sounds and she also has a new album that's coming out next year. So right now she currently has six singles out which are all really amazing. So definitely check those out and Get ready for a really inspiring and uplifting interview with Miss Karina Reichman.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited for you to hear everything that she has to say. But before we get to that, let's just take a moment to arrive in the here and now so this interview can be even more powerful and can absorb into every cell of your body. So if it's available to you, place your hands on your heart and take a deep breath in through your nose. And exhale out your mouth. Inhale through your nose. Exhale out your mouth. Inhale. Exhale. And may our time together inspire you to bring that live music magic into your everyday in an even bigger, and louder, and quieter way. All the
1: ways. All the ways. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is. And so it is. All right. Yay. Well, I'm super excited to get to the interview with Karina. She talks, like I said, all about kind of how she is just like said yes to so many things and how it has led her to all of the amazing experiences that she has had. And I hope that that inspires you to say yes, even when you are scared because there's just like so much magic that can happen on the other side of that.
0: Yeah. And you could find out what she's been saying no to because she has also <laughs> found that to be a super powerful practice lately because she always wants to say yes to all the things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also very important knowing what is aligned and what is just noise in the way of reaching your highest and best dreams
0: yes so without further ado let's we should we get to the interview
1: let's do it all right we'll be right back all right welcome back everybody we have karina here with us now hi karina
2: Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for
1: having me, y'all. This is so exciting. I know. I'm so glad we were able to kind of catch you in your very busy schedule as you just kept getting asked back and back and back to late night with Seth Myers. Shocking stuff and
2: thank <laughs> you for working around that. It was all just incredibly sudden. I really thought I was going to have like a couple weeks there that were a little more restful than Usual, and that couldn't have been further from the truth and um, but obviously, no complaints at all. in fact, quite the opposite. it was incredible. But I appreciate you working around this uh crazy schedule that just keeps getting crazier. So thank you so much.
1: yeah, well, you do a lot of amazing stuff, and they're yeah. very lucky to have you and to to ask you. so yeah, I'm glad that you could do that. Sounds amazing.
2: It was incredible. It was amazing, and you know, the uh, I did it in September on bass, my the instrument that one associates with your girl me, and uh, that was premeditated. Like we knew I was going to fill in for Sid Butler, who's the bass player on that show, in like May, basically when I got the call, and I went in and shadowed him back in May, and then knew like I had those dates marked off in September because he had a wedding to go to. Blah blah. Like that was very much. In the book. Pre-planned. Big time. Where is this? You know, I was at dinner with a friend on Monday night and I get a text from the producer of Seth Myers. He's like, hey, you play guitar, right? Can you fill in this week? Seth, who's, you know, the guitar player on the show is named Seth Jabour, Not Seth Myers, of course, but funny coincidence. Anyway, he had a fever. Turned out it wasn't COVID, but he had the flu. Anyway, I was like, uh yeah man. I will be there, and then lo and behold, next thing you know, I'm there all week long and on a different instrument, and which is a whole mindset shift that one has to go through and you do those things and you know, I started on guitar, but i my guitar gigs have been few and far between these days, and for I'm so a bass player at this point, but it was really fun and really kind of interesting to. Do that gig on guitar, and turns out to me, I really think the gig is easier on guitar than bass. I really do, and I won't go into the semantics of why, but it was a very liberating experience where I was like, "Wow, fuck yeah, I'm out of guitar retirement! It's so great." So yeah, it was such a great time, and I ended up doing not only that week, but then into the following, which I did not expect at all. I did not see that coming, and uh, they were like, they called me on Sunday, and they're like, "Hey." He's still not doing so hot. Can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I can actually. I totally can. And then he miraculously got better for when Tarantino and Springsteen were on the show <laughs> the night today. Yes, it was a miracle. <laughs> a miraculous recovery. I know. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I would have loved to have been on with the boss and Tarantino. That would have been incredible. But I got Chelsea Handler, who is a very much like a childhood idol of mine. I like... That was like, growing up, I was like, Oh my God, this is it. She's funny. She's blonde. Her books are hilarious. I would like, you know, get pre-sale. Like I saw her at Carnegie Hall. I saw her at Radio City. Like I've seen her all around and I'm just a huge fan. So that was very, very cool.
0: Unexpected. Yeah. Well, what is it like to play on live TV in that way opposed to like a show where you have like two hours to make your jams come to fruition?
2: A great question. it's It's such a completely different experience from from anything. And that's like in September when I went on the show, like I was between you, me and the wall, and all of our listeners, uh, a nervous wreck, a complete like I didn't sleep. I barely ate. like I was like a mess just because you have to learn like this whole new. And by the way, it's not that complicated. but it just feels like a lot of pressure. And it just feels like a lot of like, you know, you're like a deer in the headlights and you have these in your monitors. And you... By the way, you write all the music that you're going to play on that show that morning with the band. Everybody gets in a practice room together. And basically, you know, there's like commercial break music and then there's guest walk-on music. And all of it is... You write it, spur the moment with these people, which is very much leaning into all the improvisational music that I've played over the years. You know what I mean? Like just that skill set of just like, fuck it, we got to figure this out right now. Like, and something out of nothing. So I think I actually really do have a good background for the gig in that way. But yeah, it's crazy. And you'll name them like random weird stuff. Like it'll be like, okay, you know, commercial break number one, you write an A part and a B part. And it's like, you'll play the A part in perpetuity until the musical director... Says into your ears, like, All right, B part, B part. And then you go into the B part and then you do that until he tells you to switch. And it's just like, and then you're watching the stage manager put up his hand and go five, four, three, two, one. And then the drummer does a big fill to cue the end. It's just like a whole, it's just crazy. And like, you have to be really on point. And when you're doing it right before, you're supposed to perform, they play for you a little bit of what you recorded that morning in your ears to remind you of what it sounds like, <laughs> which is just a very strange experience. And when Tracy Morgan was talking to me, I had music playing in my ears for those ex- When he
1: was asking to buy your guitar from you.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The now infamous, bizarre thing that happened last week or whatever. Yeah. Crazy. And I couldn't hear him everybody who like actually knows me knows I couldn't hear him because they know I would have had something to say or so like I would have bantered a million percent thank god I was just like sort of smiling and giggling in that moment so it looks like I could kind of hear him but uh definitely couldn't hear him so it's an interesting thing doing that gig versus of course when you're playing live especially I mean obviously in my band and in Marco's band and all of the great bands have been a part of like We have this shared language and songs and set lists, and like all these things where, you know, the preparation for those things is so deeply entrenched in yourself, you know, for months, years before the gig even happens. You know what I mean? Whereas this is just pure spontaneity every day. And then committing to these very short little vignettes and remembering them and playing them with bright lights and cameras and, Studio audience and famous people that you admire—it's a—it's a crazy thing. It's a
1: crazy thing. It's a lot coming at you at once.
2: <laughs> it's a lot to digest, and now I—I I feel very accustomed to it. Like if they called me tomorrow, I could probably sleep and eat. I could definitely sleep and eat. I would be just fine. And <laughs> about that one, that first time I was in that, so I was like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? You know, you just got to do it, and then lo and behold, you learn and you figure it out and it's all good but the pressure the pressure is real
1: yeah well it seems like I mean just you saying yes to coming on and playing guitar after your bass experience and like I mean you've done so many things in your life like you've had so many holy shit experiences I would I mean maybe you would quantify it as that but like I don't know would you say that just kind of saying yes to things like that has kind of led you to some of the places that you've been in your life and the experiences that you've had?
2: In a huge way, in every way. You know, and and I'm always sort of like, I feel like everybody deals with giving it a title as imposter syndrome seems like you're giving it too much power. But like it's those things where you're just like, man, can I really do that? Like am I, am I the person to like do this? Like really of all people, you know what I mean? Like there's so many people, you know, more well equipped and more this and more that. And then you just beat those thoughts out of your head and you say, absolutely. And it's it's a fake it till you make it type situation where I don't even mean that either. I mean like saying yes to things that you might be doubtful of your ability to do them and whatever. Every good thing that's ever happened in my life has been a result of that and a result of conquering it and being like, no, like you can do this. And you know, I also, I definitely... Like I love playing the drums, but I would never hire myself as a drummer. Like really, like I I know my limits. You know what I mean? It's like I fuck around on the drums all the time, but I couldn't really do a gig on the drums. Like I would know when to say no and when to say yes for the most part. But there are those scary things where you're just like, it's like staring up a mountain, and you're like, how am I ever going to conquer this? Or you know, I like to say when shit gets overwhelming. In those moments, you know, it's like how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> and that's always sort of a good metaphor for, for those things. Just one step at a time, one tune at a time, one riff at a time. And you you got this, you know? So yeah, I would say every every good thing in my life has been a result of those things. Like if I'm not nervous before a thing like that, it's not that important. Do you know what I mean? Like in it, every time you do those things, you know, like that you're anxietized over this for a minute but once you get up there and once you do it it's the most incredible holy shit moment of one of many if you're lucky you know and it's an incredible thing an incredible feeling to like conquer those bad thoughts and get past it and then you look back and you're like holy shit I'm like yes you know <laughs> it worked out
0: <laughs> yeah oh it's he she told me he like he is scared when he goes on stage like most of the time and that he just does it scared cuz I don't like the term that like be fearless. Like that's impossible. We're afraid of so many things. And if you're not afraid of it, like you said, you know, like some of the best things you did is because you were scared because there is is that excitement. And so it's like, I always kind of check when I feel scared because physiologically, it like feels like you're being chased by a tiger and your life is in danger and you need to run in the other direction, say no to this, like hide in a cave somewhere to never be seen again when people ask you to do these things. But... I like to like look around and be like, is there a tiger behind me? Is there a time? Is my life actually in danger? And if it's not, I'm like, okay, then this is an okay thing to do. I'm going to get up on stage and or go on TV and play guitar or whatever it is. Go and play in front of 50,000 people.
2: Totally. That's just you. just... You're constantly in that sort of battle with yourself. And you know... Every time it happens, I'm like, you have to like look back and really say like, remember, like you've done this before. Like, even if it's not this, you've done something that felt like this, you know? And it's like, as much as you don't feel like a pro, like you're a fucking pro. You do this all the time. Like, it's just gonna play itself. You're good, you know? And like, sometimes I'm able to convince myself those things and others, I'm just like, no, <laughs> it's still so scary. And it's still so tough. And you just, you know, you're working that you're going to screw something up or whatever. People are going to judge it in whatever way that they're going to judge it. And it's a lifelong thing, you know? So...
0: Yeah, that's. I work with people that have imposter syndrome all the time. And that is one of the things that you said is a huge way that helps people with it is having the proof and the pudding that you like did it. Like, if you're like, I can't do this hard thing, well, when did you do a hard thing and you succeeded instead of focusing on all the times that you didn't or you failed or you messed up? And then you'll see that you can do it. Right. It's such
2: a good thing. It's such a good thing. And it just should make it easier every single time, one would hope.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a performer too. And like I used to be a professional cheerleader and I would get scared every single time. And it got, it was like a different kind of scared as I got used to it. But I was still nervous every time because you're putting yourself out there and you don't know what's going to happen. You never do, especially with something like that. That I can't imagine because it's so physiological. Like,
2: literally, like, what if your legs give out? You know what I mean? <laughs> or like, what? Yeah. You want know, backhand spring and something goes awry, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. And
0: I did. And it did go awry. And I tore my ACL on the court in front of all the people at a sold-out Knicks game. Yeah. But you know what happens? You just crawl off the court and you survive. Right. And you live another
2: day and you're okay. That is so intense. I can't believe that happened to you. Holy shit.
0: (laughs) And I still dance. And you still dance. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Oh
2: my God. Yeah. There are those little things where like, as a musician, like, but you know about like looping your cable through your uh, your strap, basically. Which
1: yeah, Lebo taught me that. <laughs>
2: from... There you go, good man, Lebo. He, you know, it's basically to make sure that you don't just unplug yourself out of nowhere. But you know, you I remember learning that in like eighth grade. You know, I was in a punk band, and I remember walking too far from the amp and totally unplugged myself. You didn't loop your cable, and now I'm a staunch loop your cable advocate. And I see people sometimes not doing it. I'm just like, oh God, making me nervous. I don't know, man. Like those little things that like you do, you know, and you learn from experience. Everybody has those things. And you're just like, oh man, like looping your cable strap locks, such a huge thing. I was watching, I'm not even gonna say her name because I'm such a huge fan, but her like national TV debut right before the pandemic, and she's killing it, playing guitar on this late night show. And her strap just gives out and the guitar falls and she has to must, you know, absolutely crushed it, by the way. Incredible. Like, you know, got through the end of the song with her strap, not on her person. And it's like, those things are just like, Oh God, anything you can do to reduce the stress, reduce the probability of like, you know, little things going wrong like that, which of course, you know, you make it through, you muster, it it's all good. But to me, like there are a few things like that where I'm just like, Got to make this as easy on myself as possible. Got to make this as streamlined as it could possibly be.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's like asserting control in the places, the things that you do have a little bit of control over. It's like, it helps to kind of reduce that fear too. In a big
2: way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Has there ever been anything that you have said no to because your fear has kind of gotten the best of you?
2: It's a great question. I don't really think so. I think, you know, the things I've said no to... Mostly, which I really I love saying no. As much as you know what I mean, saying no is super great.
0: <laughs> it's
1: and important. Yeah,
2: you gotta you gotta learn that lesson early, and of course now I'm just like you know drowning in a million things because I gets <laughs> to too many things. So I'm like, Karina, you really should have said no to a few of these things uh, taking over your life right now. But you gotta weigh a lot of factors. Like I don't know, I've just been so busy as of late. Where you look and offers come in, and things look totally cool but you know that you're gonna absolutely pull all your hair out trying to cram this in and learn all this music or whatever it might be or you know there are definitely things that i've said no to where i'm just like i know i'm the wrong person for the job and not because i'm scared because i'm realistic you know what i mean and because there are so many people who are going to do this better than me not even they're going to do it better than me they're just they're more well suited to whatever it might be you know what i mean so i think there's definitely realism that's played into a lot of my no saying, you know? But no, in terms of just like, holy shit, like that's so incredible and it's in my purview and I'm too nervous. No, I don't think I've ever said no.
1: So, that's awesome. That's a good thing, for sure. Yeah. And I think that was a great conversation for our listeners too, like to just hear some of the things that they can work through if fear comes up, but yet they know that like, it's the thing that they want to do or that they need to do or like where they're growing into And I love like when we were talking to Annabelle, she brought up how fear is false evidence appearing real. And so like we have to remind ourselves of the real evidence because otherwise our brain is going to try to talk us out of it because it tries to keep us safe. And often that's smaller than we really need to be.
0: I love that. And so yeah, false evidence, appearing real. I like it. I, right. That blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> I talk about fear all the time and I never heard that before. And now I use it all the time.
2: It's like in your vernacular now. It's fantastic. It really is so good. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real thing. And I'm not, I'm really not like a fearful type at all. But again, now you can recognize that when something is so important to you and so meaningful to you that you want to nail it so badly that's what it is that's an amazing kind of fear that's an amazing kind of motivator and it's a thing that'll be so good for you in the long run and you know it you know what i mean it's those moments where you're just like okay like this is that and i am so beyond blessed to even be put in a situation where that comes up you know what i mean like let alone like of course we're going to fucking tackle it but like i'm in the situation like that's incredible you know so that's those are the moments where you're just like oh shit this is a thing for me right now like damn what how do we even get here insane i got to nail it fuck all right great you know
0: and uh that's yeah that's what i have to say on that yeah is that what happened when you got to play bass with like pretty much almost all of fish yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you know with that that was again unexpected like i was completely out of left Field. And that, you know, Mike invited me to come to Soundcheck and play through all of his gear. And that was in itself incredible. And I was definitely like, oh shit, here we go. Get dressed, go in the shower. What's going on? Like, holy, you know, I had played a late night show the night before, had barely woken up in time to receive that text. Like, so that was already a miracle. And then just like, go to the garden. All my friends were staying at our apartment and it was just like bodies everywhere. And I was like, you know, people are like, where are you going? I'm like, I'll tell you later, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And that wasn't so much of a fearful... I didn't have time to be like spooked or any of that just because like we were up there. It was already so surreal. You know, you're standing on stage at the garden with your favorite band, like going through the effects of the bass. Like it's so cool. And then Trey comes up and. We shoot the shit for a minute and blah, blah, blah. And then he gets excited about a pedal. He hits it on. He runs to his side of the stage. He picks up his guitar and then Fishman's there. And then Paige comes 20 seconds late. Like it was just like such a a whirlwind at that moment where Sink or Swim comes to mind, you know, as just kind of like, oh shit, here you go. You're now jamming with your favorite band in the bass player role at the world's most famous arena. Holy shit. Fuck yeah! How about A minor? You know what I mean. <laughs> like you can't even trip yourself out too much in that moment. But that that was one of those. Like afterwards, it was just like I was like walked home down Seventh Avenue and it was like, and everybody at the guard like once I got off stage and like let them sound check. Everybody there was just like, dude, and I was like, dude, and then they were like, dude, and I was like, right, what <laughs> the fuck? Like that was crazy, you know. But it all happened too quickly for me to like get too worked up about it in the moment. But of course, I mean, it's been the not like people... It's shocking to me. People like know me from that. People come to my shows because like... And they're just like, we found out about you because you soundchecked with Fish. And I was like, oh, really? Like,
1: Yeah, because the story was on... What's the podcast that they were doing with Trey.
2: Oh, it's been on 100,000 podcasts. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long may they run. Run, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there was a good one on that, but you know, it's been the thing that I've been interviewed about so so much, which is great. Happy to talk about it, but it's just funny I'm like, wow. Not from Marco, like not <laughs> really. No, like all the touring I've done over the last decade since I was like a high schooler and all these different bands and stuff. Like, no, it's like you sound checked with fish for four minutes once. I'm like, yeah, it's
1: true. <laughs> 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 totally. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I have a question that I definitely want to ask you because in addition to being an amazing musician yourself, like I know that you are also such a huge fan of music and of live music, especially. I've heard the stories of all the concert stubs on your walls. And as our podcast is all about kind of like the live music experience and how much meaning and positive benefits it brings to people's lives. Like what does live music mean to you? What kind of meaning has it brought to your life?
2: Oh, sister, let me tell you. I mean, to me, like growing up, I actually, I just did this other interview where I could wax poetic about this for a second. And it was really like growing up, middle school into high school, like that's, I had this very small group of friends and my boyfriend at the time that all we cared about was playing music and going to see live music, end of lists, maybe eating great food and I don't know. And really, like that was all. There was nothing else that mattered, and not much has changed. But late middle school, like you know, seventh and eighth grade, and then of course, as soon you know, high school hit, and that was just that was everything. And the question that in this other interview is like, were you popular in high school? And I was like, well, well, no, not in the grand scheme of things. I was definitely like a class clown. Everybody thought I was funny, like that was a thing. But I was very much a rejector of traditional ways of being. like I, I never drank. I never did drugs. I didn't go to parties. There was nothing. I was on tour instead of going to my prom. I was just very tunnel visioned for the live music experience and for just playing music and seeing it. And the confluence of the two, I was never... It wasn't about partying. It wasn't about this sort of other thing that I think it takes on for lots of people, which is also phenomenal. What, however it manifests in your life, I think is fantastic. But for me, it was, it was like going to clinics, you know, and me going to see my heroes on stage. Like I got obsessed with the Allman Brothers band in high school and I had to go to all Ten Nights at the Beacon every year. And going to see those guys, you know, Warren, Derek, and O'Teal play off of each other. It so much of my musical vocabulary comes from those guys and going to see hundreds of fish shows by the good graces of, of Trey and his family and the way that they've been so incredibly kind to me. And he's been such an incredible mentor to me. You know, people laugh when I say I've never had a drink at a fish show. I've never done a drug at a, Nothing. No, because it's... For me, it takes on this whole other... It's like unlocking the secrets of the musical universe in a serious musician-y, nerdy way. You know what I mean? And as much as I'm, you know, I'm there dancing hard and enjoying hard, but it's a very, um, I don't know, it's something that really just feeds my own musical output and my ability to kind of digest what these people are bringing to the stage and what a show looks like. Even beyond Fish Almond Brothers, like, that's all great. But like, we're talking... Nine Inch Nails. We're talking Slayer. We're talking Beastie Boys. We're talking TV on the radio. Like you know, you name it. I am a glutton for live music, and every waking moment of my life, when I'm not practicing. Now it's funny. It's like, oh shit! Like LCD Sound System playing tonight, right? Uh, I can't go. I'm rehearsing with my band. I have a tour to prepare for. I have lots of shit. You know what I mean? So it's like those moments where the fan and me gets usurped by the musician in me. But the two of them are kind of inextricably linked. If you catch what I'm saying, like I am of course a huge fan of live music and it is such a release for me in so many ways, but it also is just like, it's it's like an anthropological thing, if that makes sense. It's a study. It's a, I'm watching you do you and that helps me do me. It's, you know, again, only thing that's ever made sense to me. It's playing it. And going to see it, and that's what's been most important to me in my life, and the threads that have kept all my friendships together. You know, it all kind of comes through all of that, and it's very much my own thing. My parents are not into live music. I mean, my parents are incredible, and they are so supportive of all of this, and they come to see me play and all that. But my parents never took me to a concert. My parents. Have seen my concerts. I don't know if they've seen any others, you know, like it's definitely not passed down in that regard. So it's very much, which I'm grateful for in every way because this is an interest that was cultivated all on my own. It wasn't force fed to me. It wasn't a thing that I inherited in that sort of like, you know, generational, familial way. It was all me and I became just like a complete tunnel vision for this shit you know what i mean like it was just like practically sick like any waking moment where like me and my friends were learning guitar riffs and being like oh my god the show tonight i can't believe we got to line up eight hours in advance so we can be in the front row so we can see his fingers and see how he plays that part like like that level of craziness you know what i mean for years and years and
1: years and years and
2: not really not much has changed. so live music is my thing for
1: sure was there a specific show that like really hooked you or was it just listening to the music and then that need, that desire, that drive to like go and see it performed live that really got you into it?
2: Ah, it's a great... I mean, it just intensified throughout. The, like the, it was like a drug. Like the more you did it and the more you saw. Like, What
1: was your first show? Your first live show?
2: I'm fairly certain. <laughs> it was Benny Tuckman's 12th birthday. <laughs> at Madison Square Garden for Fallout Boy, the plain white tees, the gym class heroes. And uh, it was basically, it was, you know, the year was 2006. <laughs> I'm fairly sure that was my first go, my first time at the garden. And that was awesome in its own way. But right after that, I feel like I became. Very like I remember seeing Van Halen play the garden very quickly after that. And that was the masterclass of the century in everything. You know what I mean? That was that was a big one. And I remember seeing Beck and MGMT not long after that. And a lot of heavy metal, big metal fan, a lot of Metallica, a lot of Slayer early on, which was fantastic. That has this certain rapturous all-encompassing energy that you can't ignore. You know what I mean? That's just like, you step in, those guys step on stage, the energy is unbridled, you know? So big fan of all that. A lot of Nine Inch Nails shows early on. And then, gotta say, you know, Fish in 2009 at age 15 was a big turning point in a lot of ways. And that became sort of this wondrous... Area that I had to know everything about very quickly, and I got taken in my first show like by the Anastasio family because they were—I was friends with the daughters from going to school with them, and it was just like I was a friend of the family. I had no idea their dad was in a band, had no idea that any of this was anything. And then I got taken. I was like, "Oh, wait, this is really interesting." And then they took me to Bonnaroo a week later, and I was like, "Oh, no, this—this this is it." Whatever this is, I want it all the time.
1: What was it about this that like really drew you to it? That you wanted it all the time?
2: Through talking this out, Leah, I really feel like it was Bonnaroo 2009. It was like that was the big end. I saw plenty and lots of incredible music. And 7th grade was 2007. 8th grade was 2008. But then ninth grade was 2009. And it got there. I think it was Bonnaroo. You know... I was a lucky kid in the right place at the right time in every way. My friend's dad was one of the greatest guitar players of all time. I had no idea. I had no idea what his band would end up meaning to me. I had no idea that this type of music was going to provide me with a community, a sphere, a scope that was so much larger than I could have ever imagined. A culture, a fashion, all of these things that I didn't know was in my purview at all at the time. I was a lucky 15-year-old kid who got taken to one of the biggest music festivals in the United States by the band that was headlining it that had just reunited after 4 tumultuous years. 5? thousand four, Yeah, 5 tumultuous years. And I was so captivated by it. And it was... So important to me from that moment on, I knew I didn't care if I worked for a promoter, was an agent, manager, the white whale would be playing it professionally. But like, I was almost too um, realistic to think that in a lot of ways. And I was like, that's only reserved for a very select few people who get to play and people pay them for it. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't imagine that would be me. And Bonnaroo, seeing fish and watching the crowd, I always say this, but it's true, like stash, right? People are clapping at the same time. How do they know to do that? Wilson. Everybody says it at the same time. How do they know? Like, And I'm turning to my friend Isaac, who you know, Tara Lee, and who is a co-host of my podcast and my best friend for years and years, who, wise beyond his years, also friends with the Anastasio children and had this, this thing. But he... Was into fish. Like he knew all this stuff was coming up and he knew how lucky we were to be sort of in the throes of it at that specific moment. I didn't. I was just like, holy shit, what is going on? Like, where have we been taken? And how is it the practice room with fish and Bruce Springsteen rehearsing glory days? What? Like that blew my mind. Like, you know, and it was just like the four kids me, Isaac, and his brother, and, you know, Trey's daughters, like, or I guess five kids, whatever. Anyway crazy just stuff like that and the sort of crowd participation is obviously a huge part of it and it just felt like there was this secret language and this code of ethics and this whole thing that i was about to discover it and not not only that but i mean the music was i got blinders on for the music i remember you know that was like the summer between ninth grade and tenth grade tenth grade was fish 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 fish. almond brothers metallica slayer beck Nine ish nails, fish, 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 fish. Like that was just like, I learned every part to every tune on guitar and bass, like just to the best of my 15 year old abilities. But it was a big turning point. It really must have been Bonnaroo Nine. Bonnaroo Nine was so big. And I also, you know, I'm mentioning to you, like my favorite bands played that year Beastie Boys. That was the last Beastie Boys show of all time. I am Beastie Boys fan number one. Like, so big for me, so huge for me. I won't even go into it, but you know, I'm from New York. I, that attitude, the records, like every word to every song, I've got it. It's just like such a part of my DNA. Nine Inch Nails played that year. One of my favorite bands of all time. I will travel to see Nine Inch Nails any chance I get. Anyway, big moment, big turning point. That was uh, that was everything. And yeah, I really, I never thought that live music like that, or like I would be a musician doing all this. I wanted to be. But I just, I didn't know. A lot of a lot of luck, a lot of being in the right place at the right time and being prepared for being in the right place at the right time and saying yes when things came about and being like, seriously? Yes, I got you. Yes, I'll do it. Of course, you know, and whatever, like stuff like that. Crazy shit, man. Crazy shit. What a life.
1: Yeah, because you, I mean, you were continuing to practice, continuing to play. You just didn't see yourself on that big stage playing in that way, but you're still like, it's not like you hadn't picked up an instrument or anything. Like you said, you're prepared. I'm curious. So too, were you getting lessons during that time or were you just using kind of like your influences and live shows as your lesson?
2: I've never had a lesson, Mm -hmm. ever. Which, you know, now looking back, you know, I'm like, there are definitely gaps in my knowledge where I'm like, ooh, you know, Probably should have learned that on like lesson three, you know what I mean? Or like whatever. But that's sort of part of my just like, no, I do shit my own way. That's me. I've never done things the normal way. I have never been an archetype of normalcy in any regard. My path has been so bizarre in every way and so much product of just sheer will and determination and joy for what it is. You know what I mean? Like that's been such a huge part of like... I'm like, here we go. another year, and I'm wait- I'm still getting paid to play music. Holy shit. and it's just crazy, you know, one year after the next, And it's just like, holy shit. You did this, that, and the other thing last year. What? And you're doing this, that, and the other thing this year. Like, you know, it's just been just, I think my force of will. And when I was younger, I was definitely a little too much like, you know, don't teach me anything. Like my friends show me these parts on guitar and bass, you know what I mean? And this Black Sabbath record has got everything I need to know in it. I'm just going to learn it. You know what I mean? Or whatever. This Trey solo makes perfect sense to me because I can play it. But like, of course, there's stuff there that one should should theoretically learn. But no regrets, man. No regrets. We're out here just doing it in our own way. Which is great. Very- yeah.
0: Well, and what things like Marco Benevento is like the king of play and just like doing things weird and different. How what was that like? What did you learn from being in his band with him? Oh my god! I mean everything, everything. That was the turning point.
2: That's when I became a bass player. You know what I mean? Like, and that was my last year of NYU. I was twenty-two, and I got the call to be in that band, and I was like, oh. My God, what? Like, I'm, you know, such a huge fan of his music and such a huge fan of everything he's done. You know, it's. Were you and Marco friends at that time? Yeah, certainly. And it came through Dave Drywitz, the bass player at the time. And of course, bass player of Ween and Jay Radnell and all of that stuff. But no, I mean, it was all Dave. Dave was like, you know, Marco, I can't continue doing this with this volume of shit. Like, you know, Ween came back after a hiatus. He couldn't continue touring in Marco's band and Ween and J-Rad with the volume of shows that Marco wanted to do. So at first it was just me kind of filling in when he couldn't do the gig. But by the end of that summer, which is summer 2016, there was a <laughs> actually it's really funny. We there's been so much talk about torch passing in the last year, but like we used to we literally say like, Dave, pass the torch. <laughs> <laughs> you had the torch passed to you. Just uh, dawned on me now because that's been such uh, vernacular
1: in the last little bit as you <laughs> Yeah, know. you hold the torch. Yeah, <laughs> Karina's got it.
2: That was the Marco torch right there. And yeah, you know, Dave uh, threw the baton to me and was just like, this is your gig now. You've got this. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, that's insane. But throughout that, Marco and I were definitely friends and through Dave and through many mutual friends and many late nights and many fun shows and after parties and all kinds of fun shit. So Marco and I definitely knew each other, but he had definitely never heard me play a note of bass before I showed up to the rehearsal (laughs) for the one and only time before my first weekend of shows, you know, and it was just like, oh my God. But playing with Marco, Marco is a world-class instrumentalist there's no way around that and he went to berkeley is schooled to the nines he took extra credits every summer he studied with so and so and so and so he knows every piece of music theory one could ever hope to learn you know what i mean so like that is very very different from me the person who wanted to learn every record and just kept on jamming with people who were better than me that was my my method i was just like you know you get good by doing and all these things, but there was no, nothing Berkeley esque about my musical upbringing. You know what I mean? It was just very, very different. So from him, he's so incredible with me. And if I, you know, I've asked him so many questions and learned so much about music, music, you know, with him... Of course, through playing and and doing, but also we've gotten really deep on our respective instruments together, and just sitting there, and just you know me being like, and what about this? And if you play this chord, hold on, would you hold that for a second? Oh shit! Okay, cool. All right, now will you augment it? Like you know, like all this different stuff, and we can get super nerdy together. And I've learned so much from him in that regard, and just watching him, he is fearless. Gets on stage, not a setlist, not a clue what's about to happen, and he's like this ball of rapturous energy that just flows right out of him. And he knows exactly what to happen, even if he doesn't, you know what I mean? And he makes you feel like you're a part of his incredible circus. And it's been the most incredible, you know, every chance to play with him, I learned something new, musically and otherwise. How to command a crowd and how to just not be tripped up by all of this. You know what I mean? I'm always just like, wow, Marco just gets up there and it's just like, Fuck it. We ride. Like, here we go. You know, it's amazing. He's an incredible
1: person, an incredible musician. Well, and the two of you together are just awesome. Like your charisma yeah. together, the way that you guys work together. It's it's amazing. That was the first time I ever experienced you. I guess it was 2017 or 2018 in San Francisco at the Independent at a Marco show. And I was just like, holy shit, who is this basis? Like, you were just amazing. <laughs> yeah. You blew my mind. So... Super happy to be chatting with you today. So sweet. Yeah, those indie shows back in the day. I
2: know I know what you're talking about. I know exactly the era and yeah, really something magical happens with Marco in the Bay Area and very cool thing. So glad you could see those.
1: Yeah. And you're about to head out for some shows with your own band. Actually, this episode should come out on the 2nd of December and you'll be in the middle of playing right then, huh?
2: Right then. That will be when I am playing in Pembroke, Massachusetts at Soundcheck Studios. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So excited. I've never been there and I cannot wait. And then just the following day, I will be in the home of Tara Lee, Burlington, Vermont at... uh, Yeah! At Nectar's. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm wildly, wildly excited to hit the road with my band and really just get out there, dig in there. We're so much material that we're working on and... It's a really exciting time. I can't speak too much about this, but I have a record that is mixed and mastered and good to go that will be released next year. Can't say much more than that because there's a lot of semantics uh, happening (laughs) at all times regarding the release and all that. But Will you be playing that material while you're out? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We will be playing quite a bit of unreleased material that has been such a joy to like you record something and you get so micro on the recording and then you like relearn it with your band like I don't know it's been really an interesting process of just like arrangements and figuring everything out and how much improv versus how much not improv like all these things that are just like you know you're constantly working it all out and can't wait to bring the party to the people just next week so exciting yes Really cannot wait. Really cannot wait. We've been working very hard, including later tonight, I will be with my fellows rehearsing and trying to dial this all in to put on the greatest show possible for the folks in the Northeast. So yeah, it's... Let me see if I get this, right? Ithaca, Albany, Pembroke, Massachusetts, Burlington, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Portland, Maine, Bridgeport, Connecticut, and Washington, D.C. Those are the eight shows. Woo! Nailed that
0: right off the dome. Yes, yeah. So if you live in any of those places, you've got to get your butt to Karina's show. Yes, and buy your tickets in advance.
2: Very helpful when people do that. Very helpful. You know, it's a very walk-up driven market in so many ways, and it's just like it helps everybody gauge things so much better when the tickets are bought in advance. So that's a thing. And not wait. Oh, it's so exciting! Just got a new merch shipment today. Just unboxed everything. It's so. Super
1: exciting. Super exciting. So
2: the boys are firing on all cylinders. We cannot wait.
1: Yay. And then I know you're going to be on Jam Cruise and Iceland with the Disco Biscuits. You're opening for the Disco Biscuits. Correct. Uh,
2: That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I know. What? We're going out there. We're leaving. <laughs> We're leaving the United States and playing some sweet gigs. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Also, New Year's is Denver with Neil Francis. Oh, yeah.
1: That's so awesome.
2: Very excited for that. And also playing with Marco on 1229 at the Ogden in Denver. A beautiful theater that I'm looking forward to... Or club, rather. That I'm looking forward to being at. And... uh yeah, I mean the gigs just keep coming. It's shocking. It's really every every second that there's a new gig. I'm just like, holy shit, guys, we got a gig! Yay! It's amazing. <laughs> like it's so crazy to me. And uh, next year, you know, once I can divulge more about the album, it's really just so exciting to finally, after you know, I have these six singles that have carried me very far. It's crazy, but like you know. I want to make records for my life to start with this one that'll come out next year. It's just like so insanely, it's going to be so cathartic and so emotional. Let that thing fly and like just give it over to the world. And those songs will no longer be in my clutches. And I want them to have lives of their own. And it's so exciting. So I cannot wait for what this next year holds.
1: It's really cool thing. So. Yeah, you'll birth your baby into the world. <laughs> ah, cannot wait. <laughs> we'll let all of our listeners know when that's coming out so they can get their hands on it. Thanks, dudes. Thanks. I can't
2: wait. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah. It's all happening. It's all happening, but all good things and all good time, you know?
1: Well, Karina, any any last words you'd like to leave our listeners with before we let you go off to band practice tonight?
2: Oh, thanks so much. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Anyone listening, thank you for tuning in. This has been such a great talk and so, so fun to wax poetic on all the finer things with you guys. And uh, Groove Therapy, live music, man. It's I feel like I beat that dead horse, but it's kind of the only thing. Not true. But man, it's up there. And it's it's so incredible to be alive in the time of so many of my favorite artists touring and so many... We are just hedonists now because so many people are on tour. And I'm just like, this is oversaturated and crazy. But man, what a great time to be alive and quote unquote, post-pandemic just you know sticking a straw in it and sucking it all up as best as possible and it's just an amazing thing so I beg beseech and implore you all to find that joy in your daily lives and just get out there enjoy yourselves
1: and uh, thanks for listening what a great time yeah well thank you so much for being here and i look forward to catching you live again soon and definitely go support karina and check her out live It's where it's at and look forward to the album coming out next year thank you so much yeah yeah bye everyone and we'll be right back All right. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Karina Reichman. I know that I did. And I have lots of follow-up questions that I want to ask her like right now.
0: (laughs) I know. We're going to have to do like at least three to four episodes more (laughs) with her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it would, you know, we try to keep these episodes like around an hour, but there are definitely some people that I'm like, I feel like I could have talked to you for like two or three. Also, Karina had to get to practice with her band so that she can be top notch performance for you while she's touring the Northeast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We kept her to the last possible moment that we could cuz she was like, you know, 7 would be good, 7:10 would be okay. So, <laughs> we were like 7:17, seven, I think is when we ended it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, we tried to get every last drop out of her for you as we possibly could. Yes. But we're already talking about how we can bring her back for a couple of things that she mentioned just to really highlight them even more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what One of the things that stood out to me was her talking about like going to shows sober and how, you know, she had never done really drinking or any kind of drugs at fish shows. And and also, you know, just all of the live music that she has attended and played now. You know, I'm just really curious how she like, where she is right now with that. And also, you know, how she kind of straddles the world of opportunities to indulge in a lot of things and also just being who she is. Because I think the one thing that really came out for me in that interview is Karina just does things the way she wants to. Yeah. And it's like just her way. And I love that so much.
0: Yeah. She's so her in every single thing that she does. And so I could see why like she wouldn't like altering that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Because it is a lot more difficult to like say true to who you are authentically when you are intoxicated.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times people are using those things to try to figure out who the hell they are. (laughs) She already
1: knows. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I think that that would be really interesting. And maybe we could have like, this is kind of a separate one, but I feel like there's like kind of two camps of people. It's like, The camp of people, which I fall into, who found live music because of the party, but then like discovered this whole other world that was like so much more than just the party.
0: Yeah, I'm like you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the same train. I feel like there's, there's a lot of people out there like us. Yeah. But then there's obviously other people who like weren't interested in the party at all and were just going strictly because of the live music. And, you know, in Karina's case, it was like to really, like that's how she learned music as a musician.
0: Yeah. I love how she described it, that she was like, I go to these shows to nerd out and like watch exactly what they're doing, what what their hands are doing, what they're emoting on stage, like everything. I thought that was like, that's so interesting because that is like not, why I started going to music or still that's not why like... Actually, now that I'm in a band with my husband, I actually am like now paying attention to those things. But Mm -hmm. that was not something I never thought that I was going to do in my life. So I didn't pay attention in that way. But I think it's really cool that she did. And it was also super inspiring to hear that. And I was like, Oh, that's a really good idea. I'm
1: going to do that more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, there's so much knowledge to be gained from watching you know, all of these super professional vessels of creativity.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, and Karina herself is one now. And I just love that too. Like the last time that I saw Karina playing with Marco's band was in Sonoma and it was at this little theater. And, you know, there were like seats so I was standing up front because I need more room than an aisle of a seat provides me, especially when I can go up front and stand up there. So I was super close and like just got to really, I don't know if I would say I was nerding out. I was more like transfixed because <laughs> it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of thought process that was happening. It was more just like being captivated by just her presence and the way that she, just emotes these sounds from her bass that like just allow my body to move in all the ways.
0: Yeah, I totally feel the same way. Actually, there's a funny story. I was like watching her feet. I love watching musicians feet. I don't like seeing what they do if they're like dancing around or what they're doing. And I was like, I think she has the same size feet as me. And I have these glitter boots that I feel like she would freaking rock with the way that she moves her feet (laughs) on stage. And then I wrote to her and she did. And so I got them to her. (laughs) And so she now has these like silver glitter boots that she (laughs) dances around with on stage sometimes.
1: I love that. So if you see Karina rocking <laughs> her silver glitter boots, you now know where they came from. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was like, this person needs to have these. I was right. She was Cinderella.
1: Yeah. They were her perfect size. Yeah. Yeah. So would love to talk to Karina about just that kind of process. Also, I loved that you know she's self-taught by watching the musicians that she's been so inspired by it was really cool to hear who her influences are and i'm sure there's probably even more that weren't listed but she definitely listed a lot of a lot of bands that she's been inspired by and that have influenced the way that she plays yeah well there's another thing that she brought up that i would love to include for the did you know So when Karina was talking about, you know, her first fish show and then following that up with going to Bonnaroo and how that was really like her hook into kind of this more like jam bandy world. And I know she's also really into like psychedelic indie music and it just feels like opening that door kind of opened up all of these other doors where she feels like she can really be her true self, right? Like show up as herself and have her music reflect that. And it just reminded me of how many times I've heard people say either for a Fish show or Grateful Dead show, those two bands specifically about how the first time that they saw them, it was like an eye-opening experience, but like, a perception expanding experience where all of a sudden a couple of things were happening. One is that they were shown that there was this alternate reality that they weren't even aware of that existed that felt like home. Like so many people describe that sense of feeling like they're coming home. And also that not only could they see See this, which expanded their perception of what is possible in life about how you can dress and how you can act and how you can relate to other people and what you can do for a profession. But also it allowed them to have this like sense of belonging. And Karina talks about, you know, like the crowd involvement, especially at a fish show where it's like, they just know when to clap or they know when to... Say the words. And it's like the sense of belonging to a larger community that is so accepting that it's like wrapping your arms around your whole self, not just like a part of yourself, which is so much what the rest of society is about. It's like, oh, you have to be that way before I like you, or you have to be that way before I love you, or you have to be that way before I tell you that you did a good job. Right. It's like, this community that is created with especially those two bands. And then of course there are offshoots from that. And we're all going to find like our place, our home, but it's like, it's all encompassing of the whole self, right? Like, and even our shadow parts that, you know, society tries to tell us are bad or wrong. And I love that so much because we learn to accept ourselves through relationship with others. And when we can feel fully loved and accepted for who we are and encouraged to be as big or as little as we want to be, then we can really learn to accept and love ourselves too.
0: Yes. It's like, I mean, that just explains why live music is so important to so many people. Because the time where you can feel all of that is everything.
1: Yeah and I don't know if that's true for all live music. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we could have an episode about that and like bring in some other, you know, fans of other genres and see whether that's true. I'm really curious about that.
0: Yeah, that's a great episode idea. We should definitely do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to take all of this and kind of see what what hooked you. And so for the
2: daily jam.
0: So I want you to either find a friend or a journal. So you can do this either way. And if you're journaling, you're going to write about it. And if you found a friend, you're going to talk about it and just talk about your first live music experiences that you had and see when was that time that it hooked you And like, what was it about it that hooked you that had you coming back over and over and over again and spending all of your time and money and resources to see more and more of this? Like, why out of all the things in the world, did you choose this to be the thing that is going to do that for you? And it might surprise you what comes up. You might think that it was one thing, but as you're talking like with Karina, when she was... Talking about, it. She was like, wow, actually it was at Bonnaroo and that's when it hooked me. But that wasn't necessarily her first experience. But as she was talking about her first ones, then she started talking about her second one. And that's what that was. So you may be surprised. You may think it's one thing, but just start at your first live music experiences and just start talking it out or writing it out and see what
1: comes up. Yes. And then please share with us. Yeah. Because... I would love I mean this is like the researcher in me to know what are the elements that hooked you. You know, that's really one of the things that I focus on in my research is like what is the meaning that this has and when we can figure out why we keep coming back and back and back and back then that's that's how it holds meaning for us.
0: Yep, I'm so excited to hear what it was for you.
1: Yeah, so share that at in our Facebook group at the Group Therapy Podcast Community. We'll start a little thread so that or I'll put up a post so that you can include your answers so that we can all find them in one place and let's let's create a list. Let's see. I think that'd be really cool. So cool. Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And definitely be sure to check out Karina on tour. You can find out the tour dates at her website, which is karinareichman.com. Actually, I'm going to tell you right now because when this episode comes out, she's going to be touring. So um, December 3rd, she is going to be in Burlington, Vermont. Tara Lee, that's for you. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> December 7th in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. December 8th in Portland, Maine. December 9th in Bridgeport, Connecticut. December 10th in Washington, D.C. She'll be in Jam Cruise in February and Iceland with the Disco Biscuits in May. But she also has a New Year's show, Neil Francis with Karina Reichman, on New Year's Eve at Cervantes in Denver. So lots of opportunities to catch Karina and stay tuned for her solo album. Well, not solo, her band's album that's coming out in the new year, 2023. Yeah, you're in for
0: a treat. Not that I've heard it yet,
1: but I'm just assuming. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll second that. Yes.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you all have the most amazing day ever. We love you so much. And we're so grateful that you are all here with us listening to our podcast. It means so much.
1: It really does. So take care. We'll catch you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We so appreciate you. And if you did love this episode, we would love it so much if you could share it with at least one friend that you think might love it as well. So just send it over to them, let them know what you loved about it. It could just be like, hey, check this out or one word about how it inspired you. Also, wherever you are listening to your podcast, if you could just click that follow button right there, that would be super awesome. That helps to let the platform know that this is a podcast worth listening to. And also, if you are listening on Apple Pod, if you could not only follow us, but also leave a rating or a review, it would mean so much to us. That again, is how more people are gonna be able to find out about this podcast and really start to open their mind about the intersection between health and wellness and live music and why this experience is so important for our health and our well-being and our longevity. So again, thank you so much for listening. We are a part of Osiris Pod. You can find many more inspiring arts and music podcasts at osirispod.com. And if you would like to follow me, Leah, or Tara Lee, you can find us on Instagram. Tara Lee is at Rocking Life with two underscores, and I am at Dr. Leah Taylor. So come follow us there. We love you so much, and thank you again for listening.